to today's podcast episode of the show. And all the usual co-hosts, Alex, Bethany, and more, are going to be very upset that they do not have the honor of being the first return to studio guest back with us. That was Alex's fault yesterday. But uh, we couldn't really have a, a bigger get for the first return to studio than the one and only Jaden Jefferson. Hey, buddy. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited about this. Uh, why are you excited? You know, it's just good to finally be able to do interviews like this again. I, you know, Zoom is just not the same excitement and, you know, before an interview. So it, it's all great to be back in person. It is. And, and so this weekend is, is the home show. I never in my life thought I would ever be talking about the home show. <laughs> but um, it was so, so I had never been to a home show before. But I was a new homeowner in last in March of last year. Some old, very good friends of mine, some old neighbors were like, hey, come, you want to go to the home show? I'm like, I, I, I have a home now. Yes, I'd like to come. <laughs> and at that point, we were all just reading COVID stuff. And then on like Wednesday of that week, the world stopped. Yes. <laughs> so the home show for me will always have a special place in my heart. Like that was the last social thing that I did. Do you remember do you remember your event? See, that's the thing. It's hard to exactly pinpoint an event, you know, particularly before COVID, but I know I just remember and look back at all the events that were coming up that people were talking about, oh, and March twenty third we're doing this. Now in hindsight I'm like March 23rd, we're doing absolutely nothing, you yep. know, so it's good to look at that in hindsight and see all these, you know, videos about people promoting events. But I can't remember one particularly for me, but I can definitely recall times where people were running promotions about events that were set to happen in 2020 that just didn't go on. Yeah, I had been looking forward to, um, have you ever been to our, they call it Fantasticon, it's our Comic-Con here? I have not gotten to see that yet. Right. I know that's not necessarily your thing, <laughs> but it would be a really good news event. Um and it was in late March, and as soon as all this was happening, I was like, well, that's getting canceled. And I remember going home from work, like, later on that week in the NCAA tournament had started, and they're pulling people off the floor. And um, the walleye, I think they were supposed to play Cincinnati, and they're like, we can't do this. And the walleye are finally back this weekend. Yeah, you know, that's a big thing that's important to Toledoans. I think people want to see live sports again, especially locally, because, yeah, it's great to watch a basketball game on TV, a football game on TV. Um, I personally know nothing about sports, so I wouldn't be doing either of those things. But for people locally that are sports fans, I think they're excited to be able to go see the walleye or this season to see the Mud Hens yeah. play all these games right here in Toledo. So it's definitely a big deal and a sign that we're kind of getting past this pandemic. Closely. Closely. I, I read I read some people, some people that I really trust, and we all read things on the internet, and yes. we all trust what we read, but I did see a couple of people who were very optimistically optimistic that now that we're getting it into kids, that's a that's a real big step, and I hope it is. I hope it is. You know, from my reporting and what I've been seeing, it seems like it is a good thing. Of course, we're finally getting those ages 5 to 11 vaccinated. With the holiday season coming up, it's definitely important that everybody's protected because you want grandpa and grand, uh, grandma and grandpa to be protected against COVID. But at the same time, you want to make sure that the young kids aren't spreading it. That, exactly it. Exactly it. Um, I think it was yesterday or the day before 13 ABC had posted uh, just a national story that it was that kids were good to go. And it was, the story was an hour old, and, and I'm speaking the same language here with you. The story was an hour old. It already had 200 comments and several hundred shares. <laughs> yes. I had a couple of minutes, and usually I don't read the comments, but I'm like, 
this is a lot in an hour. Let me dive in with a couple of minutes of free time. And the nonsense is everything you can imagine. And and among the nonsense, there was no one that said, that dropped in any common sense. Like, we know they're not getting sick or dying, but it's that they pass it on. And that's exactly. what we want to stop. For sure. And that's why we've been wearing masks this whole time. I mean, yep. it's not a tall order. It's all asked to just say, put on a mask. You know, it's about stopping the spread of a virus that has already killed over 700,000 Americans. So I just don't understand. You know, I can understand how there's concerns about a vaccine. Anything new, there will be concerns. But I don't think at this point in time we have enough reason to keep saying, OK, well, this and this don't look right. You know, the they have done steady research. And with the technology that we have now, yep. we can make vaccines faster. We can produce them faster. So it's definitely, a, you know, one of the growing pains of new technology. But hopefully soon as a country, we can all realize hey, this is public health. It's for our protection. So, you know, hopefully we can realize that. Yeah, I've been disappointed um, with uh, the sense of the mandates are coming down in certain right. places, whether it's federal, local, regional, or your workplace. And it's crazy. I, I was just talking to a friend today, and uh, she works in the medical field. They, ha I didn't know they have to get flu shots. They have to get flu shots. And she's got some friends that are against the vaccine mandate and and people are acting like this is the first time in life they've ever been told to do something it's it's kind of wild right and especially when you're talking about vaccine mandates in schools i'm required to have a flu shot yeah i'd get it regardless if it was required or not but still you are required to get these shots and you have been for the last few decades to get a shot before you go back to school in the fall so i get it can be some of the new things but it you know it's a vaccine like any other it's just like the flu shot you know it's just a different virus that we're tackling here yeah. so that's definitely something that i'm always like you weren't mandated to get a vaccine when you went to school you know yeah. it's just one of those things where you should just stop and think you know what I had this experience before. You yep. know, it's nothing new. The last time you sat in that seat was two and a half, three years. I can't remember. <laughs> That's the other thing. Time For you, has time been weird? Like, do you, you ever forget how old you are? Yes. <laughs> you know, I think like when I'm looking at events that were happening, I'm like, I don't think this was in 2019. I don't, I yeah. don't remember that. You know, and I look back, especially, I like to say I can't remember anything before COVID-19. I I don't remember what life was like before COVID. I'm starting to experience that now, but it's like, really? You mean this was in 2019 before 2020 and when the world shut down? Yeah. So it's definitely hard to look at that. It just You just don't realize how time flies. COVID, if anything, changed your voice. It got deeper. It did. It did, you know, and every time I'm walking around, people are like, you got taller, yeah. you know. When I'm on FaceTime with my aunt, she's like, you look different. I was like, well, yeah, I guess so. And I look at pictures. I'm like, yep, <laughs> something's I'm, different here. I'm a teenager. I'm growing. I know. It's definitely, it was quick, too. It's like during that COVID phase, I just had a growth spurt. So mm -hmm. now when I'm walking home, my brother's like, he looks like, he looks tall, you know? <laughs> so I've definitely been getting that a lot recently. So when you sat there last time, you were just this dogged journalist <laughs> And you were a wonderkin, and I remember you know sitting here with Floyd, and I, and, and my my jaw was on the floor, just in awe of how much you loved what you now do. And there was for me there was a a pivot point. Um, you just wanted to report the news, and I think that was at the time that was maybe right after the Elizabeth Warren thing. Yes, your the nuclear fuel was just getting going when we had you visit. Um, and I remember there was a time on Twitter, and this was well after that visit. This was during COVID. It must have been last year sometime, maybe late in 2019. I, I don't remember. The time is weird. Yes, but yes. But for me, it was a pivot point for you. 
um, you became someone different. And I'll say it was you finding your voice. I think you you got a little snippy at the president or someone uh, whose opinion was wrong and you pointed it out. Like you were just delivering straight facts and news. I know the the F word is weird for people these days, but not for me. But you, I think, called out the president. I think I even said something to your mom or whatever. (laughs) Like you were a different person. For me, you pivoted from just delivering the news to correcting people who are getting things wrong. Do you remember that point? Or how did you find that voice? When did you realize that you wanted to change and do more than just deliver news, but also offer personal insight? Definitely. I think that now in the age we're in now, of course, down the middle coverage is everything, and you have to have that. But when we're talking about things like racism and COVID, you definitely have to be able to say, okay, this is incorrect or this isn't factual. And personal experience sometimes can definitely be crucial to good reporting, especially if you know people that are going through that same thing. So I would definitely say COVID was definitely a time of change when I finally realized, you know, you can provide down the middle coverage, but at the same time, if someone is saying something that's inaccurate and is dangerous to the general public, that's your job. It's to step in. And yeah. when I look up to all the different journalists that are at the White House daily, you know, they, they hold everybody accountable just as they held President Trump accountable. They're holding President Biden accountable. So I think that accountability is a big part of that. And I think that last year definitely allowed me to explore that and show that, look, I'm not just here to provide facts, but also to make sure our public officials are doing the right things. Can I say, can I call it your Jim Acosta moment? You could definitely call it that. (laughs) Jim Acosta was the CNN guy who would often bicker. And that's my, that was the moment that I saw with you on Twitter. And since you said White House people, I figured I'd throw that out there. Definitely. I actually got to meet Jim Acosta, which was kind of like a full circle moment for me. But even then I was just like, you know, this is the kind of reporting that we need in our world. We got to make sure that everybody's being held to account and that the facts are the priority because facts don't care about your feelings. Mm-mm. They're just facts, you know. So I try to definitely do that when it comes to my coverage on social media, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, you name it. Who you uh, any anytime there's a journalist in my Twitter feed and this is what I dis- and this is my one basic complain about Twitter. Like they've turned likes into retweets, which is fine. And I can't block likes or whatever. But whenever there's a journalist in my feed that I don't follow, I'm like, oh, it's somebody that Jaden liked. (laughs) So you have tons of friends in the journalism community now. We've all made, like I have relationships with people online who I have never met, but they are dear friends. Have you made anybody like that, whether it's just a Twitter friend or a journalist that lives in in, in the middle of Texas or North Dakota, who, who you struck up a relationship with? Oh, most definitely. You know, I'm uh, constantly engaging with people on Twitter because I'm a social butterfly, and that carries over to Twitter. You know, if you've seen any of my tweets, you definitely could see that. But I've definitely been able to do that during COVID because everyone was at home. What else were they going to do? You know, go out to a public social event? Mm-hmm. They were pretty much on Twitter 24-7. So I was able to meet a lot of different journalists across the country, and it's almost like you know them personally, and you don't. You've never never met this person but yet through twitter you're able to strike up a conversation whether it's about christmas like i just posted on twitter today or you know about something else happening in the world it's definitely been a different experience to kind of be able to talk with people and network with people like that go i'm gonna go beyond that though give me do you ever see any of the tweets that i retweet or i have a conversation with the guy is uh, chuck i don't chuck overton i think that's his last name 
I never met him. He's a truck driver, lives in Flint. He comes down this way, stays at truck stops. He found the old morning show or something. Now he listens to the podcast. Never met the dude in my life, <laughs> but I consider him a friend because we have a Twitter dialogue. Forget networking. Have you made any friends like that in the journalism community uh, uh, during COVID? For sure. I've definitely been able to just talk about things outside of news, you yeah. know, because we all need some humor in our lives. And I've definitely tried to provide that on Twitter. And, you know, when you put that out, people will definitely give it back and, you know, they'll provide you with another joke. So it's good to finally be able to do that type of socialization with people on Twitter and social media in general, because it's something that really, you know, warms the soul, you know, on a good day. So I definitely enjoy that. But no, he's not answering my question. I want a person you have made a friendship with on Twitter. Well, one reporter I can name in particular, Jay Jackson, she works okay. out in Arkansas. You know, her tweets are hilarious. I mean, you got to follow her on Twitter if you find the time to, but she definitely posts a lot of great stuff that just makes me laugh. And I'm like, yeah, I relate to this personally. DMs ever just chat? or talk about life or stories or anything with that with her? Usually mainly just on Twitter. I haven't actually DM'd her, but we're always constantly tagging each other in posts and things Good. like that. So it's definitely something new. You'd never expect this 20 years ago to be able to, you know. know, open up a phone and, hey, what are you doing all the way in Arkansas? So Even when I was a kid, like a little bit older than you in the early 2000s, it would be kind of embarrassing to say you made a friend on the internet in a chat room in AOL or whatever. <laughs> You're dating somebody that you met online. Now it's like some of my closest friends are people that I've never met. Right, right. Like I know a lot of people in Toledo I'm constantly in contact with, I say hi to. But then on the other hand, I have a whole bunch of people on social media I'm following and constantly in conversation circles with. So it's it's a unique thing to be able to do to have that opportunity because, I mean, I couldn't imagine doing what I do now 30, 40 years ago without all the technology that we have now. Yeah. So I've definitely been able to connect with people on a new level. Yep. Uh, what's been your favorite story recently or just answer without thinking about it your favorite story in the past year or so to do i think feel-good stories have definitely been a big part of my coverage because with covid and everything you weren't really getting those you know heartwarming stories that we're starting to see now after the pandemic well we're still in it but to finally start seeing it as we're emerging from the pandemic rather to see those type of stories that will say oh that's great you know i definitely like doing those types of things and every weekend my schedule is literally nothing but feel-good stories whether it's a fall festival happening a uh, 5k happening all those different stories are just fun to cover and uh, meet the people that are partaking in them those are the ones that i enjoy covering definitely the most i want one pick one <laughs> well here's one i can i can say i covered i covered the fall festival at the city of toledo and the one in sylvania and to be able to see all the vendors out excited to show some of their products those have definitely been things that i like seeing because you didn't do that during the pandemic right. you know it was all virtual and it wasn't as exciting but that in-person energy that comes from it it's everything. Conversely, what's been a hard story for you to cover? That's a good one. You know, I've definitely had to do more investigative reporting and kind of expand. And that's been something I've been trying to do for a while now. But when we're talking, like, for example, the Greenbelt Place Apartments, what we've been seeing at that apartment complex, it's a it's a new beast. Mm -hmm. You know, you're covering something completely different. It requires a lot more time than a package that is like a feel-good story, like a fall festival. You have to go deeper. You want to provide more information. So those are the types of stories that can really be a challenge that you're putting together. But at the same time, you're constantly checking every little thing to make Make sure it's correct because you don't want the last thing you want to do is post something just for someone else to say well that's actually not correct you know right. so you definitely have to do that a lot 
I that's a great answer. I won't look at your mom for you being evasive <laughs> again, but I want to ask it another way. So technically speaking, that's a challenge. I mean, is there a story that you've done and it made you hurt a little bit inside? And maybe it was the green belt story. Maybe it was something with racism or I know you you're you guys are a big dog family. A story that was was kind of hard to do and maybe tugged at your emotional strings. That's a good one. I've done a few different stories. I can't really think of one in particular, but I know there are times I've been stories I'm like, wow. You know, you just hear someone's personal experience and they're sharing it with you and you're like, I mean, I can't even imagine. Yeah. So there are stories I've definitely done, but I can't think of one off the bat. But if I were to just watch back at a story I've done, I'd be like, this was the one, you know. So I definitely have stories I've done like that. What was it like to cover this uh, mayor election when you were at a bar late at night that you shouldn't have been at? (laughs) It was something. It was something, you know. It was a different thing to do. I can say that there have been times where I've gotten done with a day of reporting that I've been tired well, election night was a whole new tired, <laughs> you know, I came back. It was like 1145 because the results were starting to get, you know, finalized and everyone clearly knew who was going to win. Yeah. And I was getting home and I was like, oh, finally, I can go to sleep now. And then I realized earlier in the day I had shot a segment that I still had to put together for Wednesday. So, you know, those types of things can be, you know. It's something to tackle. You definitely have to be flexible, dynamic. But during election night, when I was at the headquarters, because uh, not the headquarters, but where Toledo Mayor Wade caps. When you were at the bar, just say it. When you were at the bar. (laughs) When I was at the bar (laughs) that the mayor was uh, hosting a watch party at, um, of course, I was there waiting for the mayor to speak. And we got there probably about 730. But the mayor, um, one of his communications or staffers um, came up to me. He was like, he's actually not going to be here until nine o'clock. So I was like, okay, well, we'll be here a little while. It's an election night. So not a big deal. We expect that. And of course, the mayor comes in nine o'clock. He makes the speech to the media. And right after that, right after that, I pack my equipment up, get ready to edit this just so people can hear what the mayor's saying. So it's definitely a new type of thing to do. And you, it's good. You rarely have to do that because it requires a lot of time, resources. So that's definitely something that comes with election night. And, you know, I do it because I love it, you know, Mm -hmm. so that's a big part of it. Professionally speaking, what was your take and your perspective on the mayoral campaign from both sides? Well, definitely between uh, Wade and Cardi, there are, there, you know, they have different opinions on a lot of things. They differ um, in their opinions on things. But when we're talking, say, the police, you know, they both, you know, are promoting that they want to grow the police force. But in different ways, like, Mm -hmm. you know, the mayor, when he was talking about police reform, um, those community violence interrupters, um, as you could see, Cardi Finkbeiner wasn't exactly a fan of that. He was more so focused on expanding police rather than going directly into the communities with people that are from those communities. So they definitely had different approaches to issues that we're all dealing with. You know, police and covid, those aren't things that are, you know, just that apply to the current mayor or Cardi Finkbeiner. That's what the city's dealing with. So they definitely varied in a lot of issues. But when it came down to what to do to doing what's best for the city, both of them were passionate. You could see that they both have really do have a passion for the city of Toledo and they want the city to do well. So Cardi loves Toledo. That that's his campaign saying. <laughs> Cardi loves Toledo. And even uh Miss Mayor Capsicavage, he when he posts on his Facebook about all the new development, you can both tell that they're excited about the city's future. Mm-hmm. It's just what Toledoans wanted for the future, and they spoke clearly. I thought it was uh it, it's kind of superficial but i was like this is this is a big deal i saw a tweet yesterday it came from one of the guys at the blade kyle roland i think tweeted out that golf magazine had um taken inverness and in, in the top 100 golf courses in the world wow we were talking like major championships 
major championship courses all over the planet. And Inverness had bumped up like 16 spaces to number like 65. Hmm. And for the average person, I'm not a big golf person. Like that's that's not a big deal at all. Like that's way off the radar. But I'm like, those 16 spaces are exactly why we built up Summit Street because stuff like that will get us on people's radar who will come visit here, spend their money here, tell us how awesome Toledo is. What was uh, what was it like following the Solheim? Solheim was a unique experience in many ways, but the main one is uh, if people follow my reporting, I don't have a large emphasis on sports coverage, but to cover a major sporting event, it was more so it was more so about the community than the sports in general. You know, I was covering more so how people felt about it, the economy. So those were all things that I was focused on because, you know, I may not know the first thing about golf, but I can definitely tell when the fans are excited. I definitely want to show people that the fans are excited. So that was definitely what my coverage was more so focused on. But I enjoy doing it because you get to be working alongside all these other seasoned, talented journalists uh, for a week to cover this major golf tournament. So that was a unique experience. and I enjoy doing it. And if there was another big major sporting event coming to Toledo, I would do it all over again because it was just great to meet all the people from all over the state, all over the country that came for the tournament. It's funny you bring that up because I think back to, I don't know if you do this, but I send myself a lot of stories all day long, like I email myself stuff. Um, And I remember something not long ago, the mayor said that they had a kind of a big sports announcement. That didn't happen. And and, or maybe I'm confusing two things. There was also some kind of Lions announcement that maybe he was teasing. Does this ring a bell for you? It doesn't exactly ring a bell. Okay. Because I usually get it in a press release because I usually check Facebook for updates if there's updates there. But usually I get it in a press release. But I don't remember seeing anything about a new sporting event coming. Yeah. Yeah, it was something and it caught my attention. I was going to keep an eye out for it and it never happened. Was it on Facebook? Because I might have saw it on Facebook about something coming. But I, I don't think I got in a press release. I'll check my, uh, it's probably in my deleted pictures. But yeah, and I was like, that, especially on the uh, the cusp or, or in the wake of the solo, I was like, all right, like let's keep rolling this stuff out. Right, right. But I, I also understand sometimes signatures don't happen and things get involved. Um, you talk about. Uh, all the other journals you got to work by, the Solheim, some of the the White House people that you like. Um, Nationally first, who's somebody that you look for for tips to model what you do, Um, people that you watch or observe and go, I want to do that, this is what I can do better. Who's somebody that you look up to? Well, definitely I got to meet him, which was a privilege, but David Muir at ABC News, Mm. his reporting style is down the middle. He's not going to show his opinion one bit in his reporting. And it's also a simple concept because... You know, he does this evening newscast at 6.30, but what you notice is there's not too big an emphasis on graphics, on set. It's just him, the camera, and the story, you know? That's the type of reporting that kind of reminds me of Walter Cronkite. He's before my time, but, you know, everybody knows Walter Cronkite and his reporting style, and it reminds me of that. So that basic you, the story, talking to the viewers. That's the type of reporting that I want to model. And of course, if you watch my stuff, I definitely have a <laughs> um, an emphasis on set graphics and everything. But, you know, I definitely want to model that. I just want to give viewers the facts in a timely manner. I would never want to play poker with him <laughs> or have him be my surgeon because he's just ice cold and even keeled. Like you mentioned, you know, you, you can't tell if he is biased in one way or another. It's just straight direct news. 
Yeah, and that's important because viewers will trust you more. You know, I have, you know, people that follow me on social media that are uh, fans of President Biden and people that are not fans of President Biden. But what they have in common is they rely on me for accurate coverage that's not going to show my opinion or sway them anyway. So that's definitely something I aim for in every day in any story I'm covering. I'll come back to, to reporters you look up to in a second, but you mentioned the president. Let me go back to the last one. Um, I'll put you on the spot here a little bit, but you're not afraid of the spot. And you've probably thought about this before. That's why I'm asking you um, whether it was when Trump was in office or now. You can pick which way, which way you want to answer. You get one question. What are you asking him? And again, you can be in office or now. Well, I will say because COVID is the one that's dominated our lives, you know, this past year and a half, almost two years now. But would you have handled it differently? You know, because President Biden, he's only been in office a small portion of this pandemic, which has felt like a decade long. But um, I would definitely want to know, is there something you would have done differently when it comes to the vaccine rollout, when it comes to shutting the country down when you first did? Is there something that you would have done differently? Because I think that I don't think that they would have said, OK, I'm just going to do the same thing I did the last time. I feel like you live and you learn. So I would like to know what would you have done differently? Have you ever heard him walk back any of what he's said or done in the past or like regret anything? I, I And I'm not being cynical or anything. I just don't recall him doing that. You know, for sure. He definitely doesn't do that a lot when he, <laughs> I mean, when he was in office. He never really, you know, said, I apologize my for bad. this or yeah, my bad. You didn't see that very often from uh, former President Trump. Um, so that was definitely a major part of his presidency, even if he did something that many people in the public viewed as wrong or um, not just a good thing, that a presidential thing to do. Mm-hmm. He never really walked it back or apologized for it. Yeah, and I think that's when you started to go after him. Your Jim Acosta moments. <laughs> yes, yes. What would you ask Biden right now? That's a good question. You know, I, aside from COVID, I mean, he's definitely made tried to run for president a lot, and he finally won in this last year. So I would definitely ask him, what does it feel like to win the, uh, win the presidency? Because, you know, it took time for him to be president. He was a senator before that. He was the vice president for President Obama. So I definitely want to know what that feels like because most Americans can't say, I won the White House, you know? So I would definitely want to know what he was feeling in that moment when it was declared, you're the next president of the United States. I mean, I can imagine. And he couldn't have picked, in recent memory, uh, worse four years to be president, trying to get us out of the pandemic. Uh, his predecessor did the right thing, uh, like we're leaving Afghanistan, and that caused a lot of strife and dropped his poll numbers. It's like, here you go, you're the president, good luck. That's definitely what it was like. I mean, what a time to be president. And it wasn't that he was just becoming the next president, he was in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. So you basically are like given, okay, carry out your duties as president. And they didn't have much information because if people can recall, the transition wasn't necessarily smooth. Not all the resources were where they needed to be in order for a successful handling of this pandemic when he first started. So that was, that's a tall order to say, okay, make sure the country does well. I'm wishing you the best. If I had one political do over a mulligan and, and I can, and it just sounds so tragic and morbid, but I wonder how different, we don't know about COVID, but everything else. I wonder how different the world would be right now if his son didn't die, where he took the time off. Because many of us expected him to run and win after in, in 16 
but he waited to the last possible minute and just said he couldn't do it. And I, I mean, I respect that. He had a terrible tragedy in his family, but I do wonder what the world would be like if if that tragedy hadn't happened or he decided to power through it and, and take the office that many people wanted him to take at a younger age and to continue uh, the Obama legacy. It definitely would have been different. You know, after the eight years of President Obama, you know, this next election was, okay, now things are really going to change because he wasn't able to run term limits. So I definitely think things would have been different, whether COVID was handled differently in the way it was or whether crime was handled differently. All these issues that we face as a country, they probably would have been handled in a different way. And what way would they have been handled? I don't know because, you know, I'm not President Biden. But, you know, I definitely would have wondered how would things be right now? How many deaths would we have due to this pandemic? Because the pandemic was going to happen regardless yeah. of who was in office. Yeah. So you definitely can't exactly blame them for the pandemic, but you can partially, partially hold them accountable for what happened during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely something I wonder about every now and then. And the last guy definitely raised the volume of the discourse, which has always been, you know, my issue. You talked about his his decorum was not very presidential. Look, you can have I can disagree with you, but please just act like an adult. Like there were just too many. more. I try to tell people look, Biden might not be the perfect person or the one that you want, but at least we're not going to wake up in the morning. And the first thing we see is a 130, 133 a.m. tweet from uh, the president that has caused all this morning chaos. That's the thing. And that's what's different now. It's definitely toned down dramatically. If you go on Facebook, you'd say otherwise, mm. but things are definitely not at the, you know, the tone that we see. Usually we've been seeing for the last four years. It's different now. It's quieter. It's quieter. And quiet has never been a better thing mm -hmm. um, as a country because we shouldn't always be at each other's throats like yep. we are right now. Yep. I mean, I can't really think of a time, you know, in my life where everybody was at each other's throats about everything. Everything was political. So I, we're starting to see that, you know, tone come down. Hey, let's be cordial. Let's negotiate. We're starting to see that, like for the infrastructure bill. Uh, at least we're working together. At least we're not just screaming at each other about everything. We actually want to get things done for the American people. Um, not every senator can say that, but most senators are now willing to work with each other. And that's yeah. a good thing. It's, it's promising. Yeah. I think it was good to see that the guy in Virginia won after shunning or not accepting or just evading Trump at all costs. And, and that's good. Like, look, the stuff in the middle is how he arguably rose to the power because the stuff in the middle was the, the sludge where nothing ever got done or we felt that way. And maybe now, like, I think I hear it in your voice. Like, I think I'm there. Like, okay, so we can't do some of the extreme things that we need, um, but neither can they on that side. And we can sit and have a civil conversation and respectfully disagree. And then Washingtonians or politicians can go get their whiskey and then go back at it the next day. Yeah, it's good to finally see that there's somewhat there's somewhat there's some peace in the world. You know, it may not be completely peaceful right now, but at least we're you know not expecting a new scandal every day mm -hmm. because throughout the Trump presidency, as we know, there were a lot of scandals. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not as many scandals now. Uh, what the future holds, we don't know. Yep. But from right now, there hasn't really been too much scandal. There hasn't been you know too many public statements. President Biden. That's the one thing about. President Biden is that he doesn't really deliver a lot of, you know, public addresses. But when he does, you know, he, he can say, OK, we've done this, we've done this. But he's more so focused on really behind the scenes. So whereas President Trump, he was, you know, always in front of the cameras during the pandemic and somewhat even before the pandemic. So that's definitely a big difference. Uh, who is a journalist reporter that you enjoy seeing out in the field here? So many of them. I can't. If I were to name a particular name, I'd be in trouble tomorrow because good, I have. Good. It's, it's fine. Give me your top three. 
Ugh, top three. You're going to get me in trouble. I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> well, I will just say this. I'll just say this. But I enjoy seeing, you know, all the local journalists out right now because, as most people know in the news industry, I don't know about outside the news industry, but most people know that we're starting to see a lot of people leaving the news mm -hmm. industry for other careers. But to see that there are people still in this industry that care and want to cover their communities and, you know, provide insightful coverage, it's, it's a good thing and it's promising to see that because we need that, especially in Toledo where we have so many great things happening. We need somebody that can, you know, put a spotlight on it. So I enjoy seeing any journalist out at any event. So if I can see that, I think that's a win-win for the city and for the community. I'll ask that question another way. Who's somebody <laughs> that you see out in the field? And like you said about David Muir, who's somebody that you see out in the field and you're like, I can pick stuff up from that person? Well, definitely a lot of the main anchors here in Toledo, they definitely are impartial. Um, as you can tell, I haven't named a name yet. <laughs> but uh, I will say this. I will say this. Um, you know, a lot of the anchors in Toledo, they're all about the facts and they are definitely get down to the facts when you talk about uh, Lee Conklin, Diane Larson, Melissa Andrews, Jeff Smith. You know, those are all anchors that have been committed to their communities for over a decade. And they all care about what's happening in our community. And they want to give viewers facts. And I think that's something that I can model. And, you know, I'm trying my best to model. You know, you definitely want to be able to reach that level of success. All right. Enough from all this this nonsensical political talk. And <laughs> let's do the fun things. Um, how, was, how was Halloween for you? quiet. <laughs> I sat at home throughout Halloween and, you know, and doing the news that I normally do. So I don't usually go trick or treating, but, you know, I did enjoy putting together some stuff for Monday and this upcoming week because usually Sunday is a planning day for me. Mm -hmm. So I'm getting ready to cover stories each and every day because uh, most people notice that I'm doing stuff seven days a week. Mm -hmm. You know, it's 24-7, 365. So you have to be able to be prepared to provide that amount of con uh, coverage and uh, of all the events happening in our community. So that's pretty much how I spent Halloween. Did you hand out any candy? Did you get a lot of trick-or-treaters? No, but after I did all that, I fell asleep because I was tired. So, But I didn't do all that, but, you know, I basically fell asleep after doing all this work on Sunday to prepare. What's your favorite kind of candy? Ooh, um, you know, that's a good one. I definitely like Hershey's, Kit okay. Kats. You know, I'm a chocolate fan, major chocolate fan. Okay. Uh, you know, I consume it in any form, whether it's a candy or when I go to Dunkin' Donuts and I get a drink that has chocolate in it. You know, that's what I'm all about. Which Dunkin' Donuts do you go to? So I go to the one on Central because that's the one closest to me. But if I'm down in this area of your studio, I'm usually at the one on um, Reynolds, you cone it, you know. Yeah. So that's the other one I go to. So I'm a big Dunkin' fan. That's a good um, thing. <laughs> it is. It is like it, it. So they're all on the East Coast. So that was easy for me back home. And when I lived in Detroit, there was one every block, which was great. And it was so strange to me that when I got here, I was like, "Where's Dunkin' Donuts?" They're like on Central. I was like, "Yeah, where else?" On Central, and then BG. <laughs> if you want to go there, I was like, "Wait a second. You mean we're sixty miles from Detroit, where there's one every block, and we have one here?" Right. So I'm glad that they're popping up. It to me, it's my my like Starbucks is very robust and very strong. I do the uh, Panera coffee membership, but if I had to pick one big brand that I would do every day, it would be Dunkin' Donuts. See, that's what I like about Dunkin'. It's that they're also cheap. It's not mm -hmm. overly expensive. So I enjoy being able to just get something, you know, cheap, but it's still good quality. But, you know, as I recently found out, there is actually a Dunkin' in Perrysburg. Or there's one in Miami. Yeah, I'm they're like, coming. They're coming. There's more of them now. And I was like, yay, options. So, you know, when I'm out in the field and covering a story on the weekend, I'm like, all right, after the one story, I'm like, where's the nearest Dunkin'? 
Where can I find the nearest? Maybe Duncan? you're the catalyst behind us finally getting Dunkins. You know, I say I'm the I'm their main supporter. You know, I love Duncan. You know, their breakfast sandwiches, their new snack and bacon's, all that good stuff. You know, it, it's a good pick me up. Uh, I remember when my friend Ashley, who would visit the podcast, but now she's super busy at the hotel. She's like, <laughs> "Have you been to the Duncan and Mommy?" I was like. There's no Duncan in Mommy. She's like, yes, there is. I was like, no, there's not. And she explained in the weird spot that like, and, I, and I've been there now. I go there on Saturday mornings, but there's that one. Uh, do you know there's one on Navarre now in Oregon? Really? Yeah. You know where, uh, what is that, St. Charles over there, the hospital? I, Wheeling in Navarre? I think so. There's a Dunkin' Donuts right there. Star Diner. Oh, okay. Uh, there's a Dunkin' there. The Dunkin', there's Dunkin' on Alexis. Yes. Yeah, there is. There is. I'm, I, I'm telling you. As a major Duncan fan, I didn't even know this. You're too buried in the news. You got to follow Duncan. Right. I'm going to have to follow Duncan now. I said, I'm going to be checking out all the locations. I'm going to have to have them on my map. So yeah. when I'm when I'm around town and I need to find a quick coffee, a sandwich, I'll know where to go. There you go. They're, they're popping up. Hopefully, they'll be as uh, plentiful as they are in other cities. Right, right. Uh, before I leave Halloween and, and uh, delectable treats... We're not too far removed, so I can ask you, do you like candy corn? Oh, no. No. I don't know. I See, I cannot get behind it. I really cannot Why get not? behind it. It's just gross. You know, I, I just cannot. I mean, it's a weird taste. I don't, you know, I'm not a fan, okay. but if it's chocolate, yes. But candy corn, you know, I have some questions. You know, I just okay. want to know. Like, mm-mm. When's the last time you went to Beirut? Actually, was it like this week? Was it? Your mom doesn't want to be on. She's not here. <laughs> right, right, right. I have to act like she's not here. Right. But uh, I think it was Vitamin last week that we actually went. What do you like to get? Because that's your favorite restaurant, right? It's my absolute favorite. And I said the one thing I get there all the time is their Greek salads because, you know, I've been on a kind of like a health click kick. But uh, I've been getting a lot of their Greek salads because those are great. They have good flavor. So I've been eating a lot of salads, you know, as part of this Health kick. Health kick. He did air quotes. He did air quotes. Yeah, air quotes, guys. Um, so it's not it's not official. What's your what's your normal day like? Because there is school. You are still in school. Yeah, so you gotta like everybody else, I'm up at seven, you know, getting ready to, you know, get ready for school. Of course, like I emphasized in this interview, I like to do preparation ahead of time. So I always have my bag ready, all my materials ready. So just so I have to just get dressed and leave the house, you know. So that's you know, usually how I start. Of course, I'm in school seven hours of the of the day. So of I'm not course in- you are, wink, wink. Of course you are. <laughs> right, right. And um, I'm there, you know, five days a week. So I don't really have the time to go out in the community and attend all the press conferences I would be able to do during the summer or my winter, fall breaks. So, you know, it's definitely different. But after that, you know, I try to finish all my assignments in school. And if I have some work that, you know, carries over, I finish that. But I definitely try to make time also for the community because this isn't just, you know, a hobby of mine. This is community service. Yeah. So it's definitely time that I dedicate to it. And I try to get out into the community and cover events, cover stories. And that's definitely something I've been trying to do. So um, on Wednesdays, I'm shooting segments with local businesses, promoting local businesses, because after the pandemic, you know, they're trying to recover from this because this was tragic. You know, it definitely affected a lot of businesses, Um, you know, and then on Saturday mornings, you know, I'm always doing morning news at 7 a.m., getting people ready for the weekend. So those are all things I try to provide for people. What's tough for you at school? Subject, friendships, relationships, the hours, but mostly like the subject or or what do you struggle with? Unfortunately, I'm not a math lead, um, first and foremost. Uh, Math is definitely one. It just, you know, with journalism, that's probably why I went into journalism. You know, no numbers, no numbers, you know, but if you're talking investigative reporting, it's all numbers. But uh, numbers 
Nope. Okay, so <laughs> not no, the best. No math. What What do you like a lot other than some type of writing or whatever? Uh, nothing that's that would be connected to what you enjoy as your civic duty. So like social studies or whatever the hell heck else they teach you in school these days. <laughs> well, I guess that leaves me with art. You art. Know? <laughs> I've been doing pottery this last week, and uh, I've been actually I've been enjoying that. You know, okay. it's nice and peaceful. You're just able to put pieces together, and I'm just looking forward to making more home decor. So I've been putting together like a new pot that I'm going to be excited to be bringing home soon. So that's definitely been something I've been enjoying to just slow down and make pottery. Uh, how do you chill out in whatever free time that you allow yourself between school and new stuff when you find a couple of minutes? Sleep. Uh, <laughs> I'm good with that. That's the, that's how I relax because, you know, you, you're not left with much time to just lay down and sleep, you know, during the week. So when Sunday comes where I'm not busy, I will just sleep in. You know, that's how I usually relax. And, and some days I'll even go outside a little bit, enjoy the nice oh, fall good. weather. Yes, and, get outside. Yeah, because Kids it's these been, days. <laughs> right, right. It's been beautiful these last few weeks. I'm enjoying this fall weather, but it's gotten cold. Yes. But I've been enjoying that, though. We went from uh, a late summer, which I'm a big fan of, to pre-winter. Yes. 28th this morning. Yeah. I don't. I'm not a fan of that. That um, was unacceptable. Somebody was giving me some stuff on Twitter today because I was giving a hard time to the happy fall, y'all, or we want fall people. And he's like, this is Northwest Ohio. Are you new? I'm like, no, but like, I think the fall y'all people wanted 59, not 29. Right, right. I'm all about the fall. That's my favorite season. Summer, I may have more days off. I'm able to get out and everything like that. But the fall weather, though, there's just a sense of joy that comes with it. I don't know where it comes from, but there's some joy that comes with fall. You're getting a lot of sun cooler temps you can actually enjoy yourself outside so those are the types of things that make fall just my ideal season what's your ideal tv show ideal tv show that's a good that's a good question you know i've been watching a lot of shows lately 2020 and dateline have been my go-tos on a friday night where i can just go home and watch that what i have been enjoying though is the wonder years reboot on abc oh. it's actually been really good and i've been enjoying that so Did I look forward to Do it. Do you have any exposure to the first one? Haven't watched the first one, so I wouldn't know how this compares to the uh, the original, but it's definitely been fun and been able to see what that looks like. Last movie you like? Last movie you saw? The last movie I saw. I'm trying to think of a movie that... Well, okay, last time you went to a theater. Well, that was actually during the summer because we, have, of course, had all those strong storms. There was a power outage. So we said, what better thing to do during a power outage than to go to the movies? So, yeah, free air conditioning. Right, free air conditioning and a nice film. So I went to the movies then, and I enjoyed that. What you, know, you just, I saw The Jungle Cruise. That okay. was a good movie So from Disney. So I enjoyed that, you know, getting out and actually being able to do something, you know, besides work. So that was fun. Uh favorite song right now or artist you're into well i don't know the first thing about music mm. so I, I wouldn't be able to help you on that one but you know that's just my thing i just enjoy watching tv i'm more of a tv than music guy and i get in trouble for that a lot of the times because my friends are like did you hear this new song did you hear about olivia rodrigo and i was like well i know who she is but i don't know her music or any music right now this is a serious question um and i we were done the serious stuff but this this is a good point and if there was ever a time for your mom to hop on the mic, this would be it. You're not like most people your age and people that you spend six or seven hours with every day. You just pointed out like Olivia Rodrigo, where there's a new Post Malone and Weekend song today. Um, does it make it hard to connect with people your age and make friends? Surprisingly, I have actually been able to bond over other things besides what's happening in the world now. Just the simple stuff like... 
How is, how did you wake up this morning? How'd that go? You know, oh, I tripped down the stairs today. You know, mm. I'm actually able to connect over things that have nothing to do with the world we're in right now. And it's good to escape from that. I just like having the most basic conversations. Some would say they're boring, but if I could connect with somebody over what they did there for their morning routine, what they're doing this weekend, I consider that a success. I would too. That's super important because your brain is like hardwired for school and new stuff around the clock. So it's nice to have that totally vanilla escape where like, I don't like doing that. Like if I get into an elevator and someone goes, nice weather we're having. Like I literally <laughs> might try to walk out of the elevator immediately. I just hate the small talk. But if you're like, hey, did you see the climate change things that's, that are happening right now? There's a kind con- I love that stuff. <laughs> so if you can escape from all the hard work that your brain does all day long to, hey, nice day we're having good for you. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. You know, and that's what I was doing while I was doing pottery today. Just talking about the weather, talking about the weekend. You know, those are things I look forward to. And it gives me something to look forward to because on a Tuesday, you're like, okay, I still have four more days in this week. But if I can look forward to what I'm doing on the weekend, I'm all for it. What are you doing this weekend? Events. Mm. (laughs) I'm all over again. Hero Hustle tomorrow? Yes, the Hero Hustle 5K, the house and home show. Uh, There's also a CPR event happening at Scott High School I'll be covering. So I'll be all around on Saturday. It is news, and maybe you should... If you want, I will push you in these directions because I, I don't like sports like I used to. But, like, it's the big walleye weekend. That's news. You should be covering the games a little bit. Yeah, this is the opening weekend. And that's mm-hmm. the other thing, too, is I've been also trying to, you know, bring more sports coverage because you can reach a new audience, a broader audience. So on my um, Saturday morning program that I do on my YouTube page, um, I added a sports segment in there just to keep people in the loop. It's not something that's very detailed, but it's sports. So, you know, I definitely try to provide what I know and, you know, what what I can provide people with information about events. So Winterfest is next month. Yes, Winterfest. And that's actually what I'll be profiling tomorrow. Excellent. Sports. Yay, sports. Yay, <laughs> Yay sports. Um, is there anything that you wanted me to ask you? Because I'm about done. I was just good to see you guys again, especially your mom. Anything you wanted me to ask you? Well, that's the same thing for me. I'm just glad to be able to come back in person because this experience, you can only, you. last time I probably done something like this was two years ago. So yeah. to finally be able to talk to people and not through a computer, it's I, unreal. It's awesome. Good to see you. Thank you. It's nice seeing you as well. Of course. Well, I didn't get to see Gloria, but I got to see your mom. Say something nice about Gloria. I will say this. She's patient. Yes. Uh, because the other day, or a couple of weeks ago, we had to go all the way out to Napoleon for a story. I was like, she's probably not going to want to do this. I was like, do you want to go to Napoleon? She's like, okay. You know, like she was just didn't really, it wasn't a big deal for her because she likes getting out. So we drove probably about 45 minutes to Napoleon and did a story there. And it probably only took me a few minutes. And I was like, all right, we can head back. She's like, okay. She didn't even mind. She's retired though, right? Right, right. So she just enjoys all these outings because I think it's really her way of getting out. Yes. Like you were in some ways maybe a lifesaver. Like you have given her, because some people look forward to retirement and then they get there like, I'm bored. Right. There is no boredom being retired uh, as Gloria with taking you around. I've also exposed her to Duncan. So I've been trying to get her on the Duncan train. She's. I was like, you want one of these refreshers? She's like, no. <laughs> I've been trying to. I was been trying to get her on Duncan, but she's she's not buying the Duncan. So I'm the only one that's the Duncan fan in the car on weekday uh, or weekend mornings. When uh when you turn 16, she'll actually she, then she'll go into real retirement because you can get yourself around. Yeah, she'll be just looking forward to watching her daytime soaps, spending time with our dogs. You know, she'll enjoys just staying home and playing with the dogs and 
So that's the type of thing she likes to do. She's not the big events person, but I've kind of made her the big events person. Mm -hmm. Um, when you're able to drive, if you don't have like some old ambulance or ice cream truck as the Jaden News Now vehicle, I will be very disappointed. Well, maybe I can make that happen. Maybe I can make that happen. You know, in a few years, I'll be able to do that. Awesome. Thanks for visiting. Well, thank you for having me.